it doesn't need to be frisbee or even sports, but people that just have kind of a, I, it's like passion beyond reason. It's like how I view it. It's like, it doesn't really make sense, but they just go for something. Welcome to already the 20th episode of The Normal World, a podcast where former elite athletes share their stories, not so much about their sport careers, but about how they found their way back into normal life. In today's episode, I spoke with Erik Duisburg, who used to be a professional ultimate frisbee player. If you don't know what ultimate frisbee is, don't worry. Imagine a combination of handball and rugby, but then played with a frisbee. Erik and I spoke about how he started playing ultimate frisbee, his dream of playing ultimate frisbee in America and how his life changed after he pulled out of Worlds 2016. I'm Amleit Bakker and welcome to the normal world of Erik Duisburg. Hi Erik, how are you? Uh, yeah, good. Uh, busy day. So I kind of feel like I've been running around all day. Yeah. And now you also have to record a podcast episode. Yes, nice. <laughs> We're going to talk about Ultimate Frisbee. Um, can you tell me how you started with that? It's not a common sport, is it? Yeah, it's very small in the Netherlands. Uh, I was part of a high school that had a special sports. It was called like a sports class. So we had less drama and drawing, all these kind of topics. And then those hours were replaced with sports. And then my uh, mentor and also a PE teacher, he played frisbee, so we first put it, did it in the class, and then he started this little team, and uh, I really liked it. So then when that team kind of folded, I joined a, like a club. Yeah. And so I kind of rolled into it when so I was twelve. I started 12. when I was twelve. Yeah. yeah. Did you play other sports before? Yes, I played soccer and tennis quite intensely. Nice. And for a while I played all three. So I, all three? Yeah, oh, wow. very nice. And then, so how many hours of sports did you do a week? Right now it's very little, but then I would play, I had three double hours at school. Then I play soccer on Tuesday and Thursday and tennis on Wednesday and Friday and then frisbee on Friday as well. And then play a soccer match on Saturday. Like, great time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? yeah, you sound a bit sarcastic, but no, 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 no. it was good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's so nice to just move around all day. It's really. I can imagine. Yes. Yeah. So you joined the club after you joined the team that your PE teacher set up, and then was it already quite serious, or how? Because it's quite a small sport that I yeah, yeah. understood from Rulin, which I already interviewed. Yeah. Yeah, no, first I joined this very random team, it was called PUDS, it was run by this, I think he was maybe like 60 at the time, his name was Mike Ocon, he passed away recently, mm. and I don't think the team ran any practices, <laughs> it was like me and a buddy from school, and we were like maybe 14, then his little brother, but then their mom also would join us, and then <laughs> I remember once we were like on a train to Groningen to play there, and he was like trying to convince the conductor to join our team for the day. <laughs> no <laughs> so way. it was like not a very serious team, uh, but really fun. And then in uh, 2004, so when I was 14, I joined the club in Utrecht where I was living. And then it was like a little bit more like twice a week practice. So that was the yeah. more serious. Yeah. Yeah. And you say more serious. Um, did it also feel like it was serious or how does it go in? I don't know. For me, it was just really fun to play. But then I joined, I think, in 2004, near the end of the year. And then in 2005, there was a European club championship. Mm -hmm. And then I got asked or kind of 
invited to play on that team. So then it felt a little bit more serious and somewhat serious. But, but it was like, we're practicing maybe two or th three times a week for two hours. So, yeah. And what does serious mean at that point in time? Yeah, and like one of the things that at the time was a big deal is that we would do track workouts. So before that was just like, oh, you play and it's fun. And then it became like, okay, we need to prepare our bodies to be able to perform. So we would do like sprint workouts. It was all like beginning, I think. Like uh, I think the sport in general wasn't so mature, so it wasn't like all super thought out, but it was still, yeah, that made it a little bit more serious. And it was like... Did you have a goal in mind back then? No, I think slowly it grew like I wanted to be, I don't think I've ever had like, I want to be the best of this, but just no? the best that I could be. Okay. Yeah, and then slowly, like in the Netherlands, there were basically three good clubs that would compete for the national championships, which is Utrecht, Groningen and Amsterdam. And I think I, I won, or my, the team I was playing for won, when I was 16 and 17, I was already like Dutch champion. And so I, know, I, I my goal became like, okay, I want to play in the U.S. because the level, in the, the highest level in the world is in the U.S. So okay. then that became my... Okay, rewind yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah. So you go from um, joining the club in Utrecht and then playing like three times a week yeah. to I want to go to America. What, what, yeah, what happens in between? In between? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So every year there's like a big tournament and... 2005 was Club Euros, and then 2006, I didn't go, but there was Club Worlds in Perth, in Australia. And then in 2007 was uh, Euros for countries, so I played for the national team. And I, and I guess in 2008, I played for the national team at the Worlds in Canada, in Vancouver. And I think somewhere in, around that time, it was like, oh, yeah. like there's a whole like seeing the American teams play there or the North American teams, like, oh, there's a whole different game yeah. possible. And I think that kind of piques my, like, oh, this is what I want yeah. to do. So yeah. when you were in the national team, was that your goal then to play in America or not yet? No, I don't know exactly when I went. I think also I, I had this friend or I met somebody that was, he grew up in the Netherlands and then moved to the U.S. when he was 12. And then I met him when he joined us at a tournament and uh, he was in the US you have club club frisbee or club ultimate and college sports and college sports uh, he was playing for one of the top men's teams college teams and he was trying like convince me to come which I tried I, I didn't get into the programs but mm. uh, yeah that was my goal so you yeah. wanted to study in America I, didn't, I mean no that's an excuse like, <laughs> <laughs> Just anything to get into America. Yeah, yeah. so I, I first tried to get into schools so that I could do, like after my bachelor's, I tried to do a master's there. But the schools that are good at Frisbee are also academically on the top. So it's also very hard to get into. And they're also very, very expensive. It's like 45,000 euros plus. So, it's insane, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't get in. And then my, uh, my backup plan was I went. I moved back to my parents, worked full time, and then with that money, I went to yeah. the U.S. and played for a club, or tried to play for a club. Yeah, I'll I'll come back yeah. to that later. <laughs> like you said, you did your high school. You played during the high school period. You played ultimate frisbee, or started playing. You played more and more and more, and at some point, you said it became quite serious. Did you feel like you were being an elite athlete back then, or? or? Oh, uh, 
I don't know if I took myself so seriously. Maybe, I don't know. Like, I, uh, it, was, it was like a very big, I don't know if I thought of it as elite sports, but it was like the biggest thing in my life. Like, I, Everything evolved around. Yeah, so I, I think I counted one summer that there were 10 weekends in a row that I would either play a tournament or uh, like a competition day, so games or the national team practice. So 10 weeks in a row, then I had one weekend off and then I had 11 weeks in a row. So my whole summer was just, in the weekends were like that and I was practicing twice a week. And then my best friend in school was also playing. So we would, you know, on Monday we would be so sore from running over there. And then we would like talk about all the situation that happened and then we'd go throw in the breaks. So it was just all I wanted to do really. Yeah, so it became your life basically. Yeah, but in, I don't think it ever felt like serious in the way like it, I think because the sm- sport is so small it wasn't like there was a big uh, organization it was like okay you're now on this track to become like whatever and this is we're guiding you you need to do like this physical work and this tactical and strategical work it was more just I wanted to become better I enjoyed it a lot so I would at the time there was very there was no or very very little footage or blogs or just anything to read or learn about it but I would like just look it up myself and yeah. try to get better. Yeah, because you mentioned the sport was very small back then. Yeah. Especially, I, I think, especially in the Netherlands, or maybe I'm wrong with that. Or is it just a small sport generally? I think the sport is like about 40, 50 years old. Yeah. And it's a quite new sport. That's, yeah, yeah, new sports. And in most, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's particularly small in the Netherlands, but at the time there was no youth frisbee at all. It was like very. Like I was part of the first under 20 national team mm. and it was basically, <laughs> it was pretty much everybody under 20 that wanted to play could play in the national yeah. team because there was just no selections to be made. Yeah. yeah, not like, you know, with soccer or with field hockey, it's like much more professionalized. Yeah, exactly. And now it's more more like now, even for under 17, I think there's tri- like you have to try out and make the team. But at the time, yeah, it was just very beginning but still you built you went to worlds you went to europeans so the first time i played euros i was 16. i think the the second youngest on the team was like 24. and i remember thinking when i get to euros it's going to be so much more serious and so much more intense or different and then actually it, it wasn't like i had these it was just like when I met my team, they're having a beer, and I was like, "Oh, they're drinking beer on the year." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I just thought everybody would be a lot better. But actually, we're—I mean, definitely most most players were better than me. But it was also just like, "Oh, they're just normal athletes, amateur athletes like me." Yeah. Uh, and then at Worlds, I think there's like a, a big difference between especially them between European teams and American teams there's a whole I think it's also just culturally the US is way more focused on sports so that the base level of athletes is just a little like more developed and the sport is so much bigger like I and I lived in Seattle for a while and there I think there are more middle school players in the city of Seattle than there are players in general in the Netherlands really so like the pool where they oh, draw wow. their town yeah. from is yeah. much bigger yeah you went to America to to play there yes was that a cultural shock or or how 
I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> uh, yeah, sports-wise, I mean, it was a culture shock in many ways. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Like the sport there is so much more. I remember I, I, I ended up making the team, and then it, we got this. Um, there was like a committee responsible for the workouts that we did. So we'd go to the gym twice a week, and then at, I just started working out the year before and I was just following a teammate which had a way different body than mine so I wasn't doing things, something that was very beneficial to me and they were saying like oh you just have to do these bench presses and we start very light and they set some number and then I went to the gym and did this like the super light way that I could barely lift it and I was just like oh it's just yeah just especially strength and conditioning I think was quite good in the Netherlands but strength was just like an charter train so I was so weak and especially there the, the intensity of practice was we had two track workouts a week two gym workouts a week one like two to three hour practice during the week and then in the weekends we'd have practice up to seven hours with a break but still so your body needs to be in, in a certain way just to handle the training load uh, which in hindsight I wasn't really ready to like I got injured at the end with the I tore or like a minor tear in my hamstring and it was mm -hmm. just my body could not take the yeah. load basically yeah yeah so in a, in a way especially that part was much more developed yeah yeah so how long did you live and played in america i went three times and a season is basically eight months or something so i went there for two whole seasons and then 2011 which we did very poorly because it was the first year maybe ever or at least in like a decade that the team I played for didn't qualify for nationals. Oh. Then I went back in 2013 and we did very well. We were second in the, in the country, also qualifying us for Worlds. And then in 2014, I played Worlds with the Seattle team and then uh, played like the fall series, which means in the United States, you play sectionals to qualify for regionals. If you do good enough in regionals, you can go to nationals. So in a way, all the, the rest is preparation for this series. So I, I, I went there for two and a half, three months to play this. Yeah, and sounds, sounds quite intense. I mean, compared to what you described, how it was in the Netherlands, was there a point maybe in America that you felt like, oh, this is quite serious. Now I feel like an elite athlete or maybe not? Well, there was a, during the time that I played, I think in 2012, the first pro league started. And I played a little bit of pro in 2013 and it, it was, I don't know, like compared to soccer, it's like, it's barely professional in a way. But when I played for the team and we flew to San Francisco to play a game, we we're in a hotel and then we flew back. And so that felt like, sounds, wow. Sounds this is, quite professional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then also there was a period there that the amateur... When the Pro League started, I don't know actually how it is now, but when it started, the Pro League in most sports, the Pro League is much more important than the Amateur League. But if something starts, like emotionally, nobody really cares about this Pro League. And the Amateur League is really what is most meaningful. Uh, but there was like a time that was overlapping. So I, I, I think there were, I would have one day without practice for like, like it was just every day it was go, go, go. Uh, but then I was much better prepared so I can handle it. Yeah. After you played that last fall season, you went back to the Netherlands or you stayed there? Or... No, I, I actually, I, I, 
I wanted to finish my master's. I, I did a two years master's and I finished all my courses, but I hadn't finished like the thesis part. So I wanted to go back to do this. And I actually tried to get a visa because I realized when I moved from Europe to the US, like when I was in Europe, my level would kind of slowly drop. And then when I would go back to the US, the first months, I would just like get accustomed to the speed of the game and the, the level of the athletes and all these things. And then when I was, then I was at my old level, and then it was already like the end of this. Or, yeah. So I figured for myself, like if I want to actually improve, I need to be here for at least two or three years in, like yeah. without going back. But I, I, I didn't manage to find a way to be there visa-wise. And so, yeah, so at the end of 20, the 2014 season, I went back to the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. And how did that go? Um, yeah, I played. 2015 was a Euro national team. And I played, and it was a very frustrating year for me. Um, How so? There were some people that I thought would maybe play, and they, they pulled out. And then the team was just very weak. And it, like in a way, I thought, like, well, I have all this experience. Maybe I can share my experience, and that will be, be uh, like nice for these, for these new people. But I, I don't think... I really got that role where people were, I, I, I think the most, the biggest thing for me was it was kind of lonely. Like I, the way I experienced the sports, for me it was like the biggest thing in my life. But in the Netherlands there's maybe one or two people that were like that and the rest are just like, it's just, I mean, it's like a dedicated hobby. Which is a difference if, if your whole life yeah. evolves around this sport and then there's a couple of people who think it's a dedicated hobby. I think that expectation-wise, that's diff yeah, difficult. Yeah, it's just like a different. Like it doesn't make any sense, right? Like it, in terms of as a elite athlete, the amount of effort you put in for those last few percentages doesn't make any sense. But it's just like somehow you're <laughs> what what makes you feel alive. You want to do. But if you're just like like oh, I have like my work, I have my this, I have this. I'm trying to balance everything. Like there's no way that you're logically going to choose to put in like five extra hour a week for two percentage points. How was that in America? Did you feel... It was so amazing, yeah. So in the, in the the first time I tried out, there were two spots. There were basically two people leaving from the team. Everybody has to try out. But there were two people leaving and there were like 120 people trying out. No way. And there were many of those never made a shot. They just wanted to participate in the tryout process but, but, and they knew they would never make it. But because there's like a lot of pressure, or not pressure, it's just like a lot of other people wanting to take your spot. And so it was very inspiring. There were many people that moved to Seattle for the sports. Incredible, like people doing athletically just so much work. Uh, so it was very nice to be part of that. Yeah. So then it must be quite a change to go back to the Netherlands where... Yeah, um, which of course, yeah, it's hard for me, but fine for them, right? Like they, it's just, yeah, they have a different experience yeah. in sports. Yeah, so Euros in 2013 was quite frustrating. 15, 15, oh, 15 yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, 15 yeah. was quite frustrating. And then did that continue or did that improve? Uh, then the next uh, was Worlds in London for countries. And it was the first time in a decade that I didn't, like I just pulled out, like I didn't try out. Did you be pulled out? Wow. Was that an overnight decision? No, no, it was like a very difficult, because like you said, it was like the maybe 
a very, very big part of my identity. And so I, was, I, I remember sending an email and I was completely in tears. And why did you, why did you decide to pull out? Because it was just so frustrating and I knew, I also knew that, it, that like I enjoy getting better and being pushed and to get better and it also, it takes enormous amounts of work to, or effort that is not like, like you're sore the whole time, you're in the gym, you're running. And so the payoff needs to also be quite high for that, for that to make sense for me. And that like, I knew that even if the national team, if the team was peaking and, do and doing very well, it would still not bring me the, like, to be at the, the, the edge of where I could be. What did you expect from Worlds 2016 that you pulled out of because you think you couldn't get? Yeah, I think especially just like competing at the edge of your ability, which is, I think, for me, that's the, the beauty of sports when you're playing against a team that is just as good as you are or slightly better and you, every minute thing that you don't do perfectly your opponent takes advantage of it you're like i don't know it just heightens your ability and your perception and those moments are incredible is that what you like most about frisbee ultimate frisbee about sports i think so yeah what did you like most about ultimate frisbee what drawn you into the sport i like any any sport with the ball uh, or frisbee yeah it's not really <laughs> it's not really well <laughs> but i get it <laughs> um yeah i like the mix of um uh, it's like quite technical and it has like this very intense playing on defense you're kind of super intense and then when you have the this gift of frisbee then you need to be collected and making the right decision but i don't know it's very hard to say why you fall in love with something right it's just yeah. somehow just a feeling yeah yeah it's just and then when you send that email then you have to say goodbye to it or how did you experience that yeah, I think 2014-15 was partly because of this a heart because I already knew in 2014 like if I don't if I can't find a way to go to the US I'm not I'm not this is my peak like I'm not going to get better anymore. And so it was already a process of like saying goodbye or yeah. figuring out a different way. Yeah. But that email in 2016 that yeah, was, was like, Yeah, because uh, before that every like my uh life was planned around frisbee like i wanted i knew what i wanted to do f for my studies but the only it was what could happen in different cities in the netherlands but the only city with a decent frisbee team was in groningen so i went to groningen no brainer yeah like the, I, I i don't know <laughs> if i visited no, I, I guess i visited the other cities but it was just like it was such a big thing and then also you know the frisbee season kind of uh phases your life like in the winter you try to gain some strength so you're more in the gym and and so like your the whole seasons of life are just around frisbee yeah after you send that email in, that you wanted to pull out from worlds what yeah. happened um was it the final time you touched a frisbee or oh no 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 i was still playing i actually played another national team in 2017 on the beach which is like there were a lot of people that I really like and the in intensity of training is a little bit less, the demands are a little bit less. And I would still play like 
fun tournaments here and there. And and I got concussed in 2018, and so I actually up until now I play. Oh no, I played one tournament this year, so now I can finally kind of maybe start playing again. But otherwise, I would still probably play. Uh, but it's actually a very hard. I had the discussion with a f- friend that uh, I captained the national team with, and and, and it's like. I want to play frisbee, but I only enjoy it at a certain level, like, and that requires a certain level of fitness, and especially fitness is something that takes quite some effort, and then, like, yeah, it's, it's so a hard, hard... when you play frisbee right now, is that, can you enjoy it? Uh, sometimes, sometimes not. Because of the concussion, and in the beginning, I was like, oh, wow, I can play again, this is incredible, and that would, <laughs> that would be, like, two or three practices, and then the third... I would get frustrated again. It's it's kind of like, I explain this to people, it's kind of like if you love music and you're playing in a choir and people are out of tune, it just kind of hurts. Like my frisbee heart, which it's just like all the things, the, the most refined, most developed things that I have, I can do because the people around me are not on the same page as me. And so it, it just becomes this clunky, like it's not, I mean, not in flow and I'm just doing what I think is best but i but i'm a mind like okay this is my teammate my teammate has this perceptions or this understanding of the game so then i need to adjust to this and and so the just free throwing yourself into it is kind of a lot less and then combined with my body is not like or actually i can still turn on and i'm just like on but then I cannot walk for like two days <laughs> now because I'm just not sure. I do recognize that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the gymnastics gym uh, two weeks ago and I had oh. <laughs> my muscles were sore for a week. Oh, so right. yes, yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I can relate. Yes. No, yeah. and you mentioned that uh, coming back to the Netherlands after um, you played in America, you felt quite lonely because you couldn't find people to relate with regarding how much frisbee meant to you like at that stage in your life how did that work out when you finally decided to quit the national team i I can't say quit frisbee because you didn't quit frisbee but yeah like there's some people like the, the the people that play frisbee are amazing people to me i really like them a lot so there's many people that i still hang out with even while I was lonely, there were still always one or two or maybe more people that did have the same kind of mindset. And so I could connect with them. And also now I I tend to connect with people that have, it doesn't need to be frisbee or even sports, but people that just have kind of a, I, it's like passion beyond reason. It's like how I feel. It's like, it doesn't really make sense, but they just go for something or it, it's just this way of living is very appealing to me. So that's the people that I tend to connect with uh so now i i, I have some like it, it doesn't feel as low like now frisbee is not that important to me so it's not uh, this loneliness is not there as much you say it like it's very easy or it's not that important to me but how did you go from it's the most important thing in my life to it's now not so so important to me how how yeah, does that phase go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess this is kind of the topic of this podcast, mm-hmm. really, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and it was definitely a big crisis of identity and meaning. Because also, like, the the second thing 
I guess that I took the most identity from was, oh yeah, I'll just, I'm doing industrial engineering and management as a master's. And then I'll just, I never really gave it much thought, but that was like, oh, that's probably what I'm going to do after, like with the rest of my life or at least for a while. And then also around the same time, I figured out like, oh, this is actually not like important to me, meaningful to me or fulfilling to me. So these, the two biggest thing in my life in a way <clears throat> that gave direction fell away. And so it was like, uh, that must be tough. Yeah, it's very tough and then figuring out what what gives meaning then and what is important. So, yeah, eventually I, a friend of mine also, he was also very involved in Frisbee, more on the organization front. He came across this thing called nonviolent communication and that was really helpful to me in this time. And we started an NGO to bring this into the world. And so this was in a way similar, like, uh, like the very... Uh, athletics has some, I don't know, there's like one part of aspect that is not in running and starting, trying to start something new, but just like that, that's the thing you want to do and that, that you're trying to build something and this excitement or meaning was there. And, um, I don't know the English, I don't even know in Dutch very well how to express this, but there's something about this, like the mindset. Yeah. Like the peak performance or like these moments. Where it's like do or die, or that's like a very strong term, but mm. but just like you know, it's universe point like fifteen fifteen game to sixteen. Uh, like something needs to happen. Like these moments are, are universe point in ultimate frisbee is match point or yes match yeah, okay. point like yeah. next point wins yeah. or uh, these very charged yeah these moments are already yeah good. Yeah that um, starting that NGO and using that mindset that you've always used in your sport, could that in some way replace? Uh, I mean, in some way, like I, uh, I think the emptiness stayed for longer actually. But for, for my, my life has been so, so strange for myself. Like the Frisbee ended and this NGO was called Ludens happened and that was like the thing I went for. And then I got concussed and for two years, like it was just basically getting through the day or through the week. And then at the, when that's when I kind of got mm, physically strong enough to start doing stuff again, the NGO had folded and then yoga had become kind of important to me. And then that became the thing. And so then I went to India for a year and now, yeah, so not, I, I don't know. There are so many different things that it's very hard to say like, oh, like this thing filled in the, the gap or uh, did you did you think do you think you found that thing that could fill in the gap uh i don't think the gap is still there but i don't think it's filled in like the if that makes sense like the gap yeah, it does, like it does the, make complete sense to me <laughs> yes. yeah like the yeah i was thinking about ambition this week i was talking to a friend about it and i think like in sports it's very clear like okay i want to qualify for worlds i want this medal or whatever and then I think now it become more like, in a way, the intense, it's not completely the same, but the intensity where you just like everything you got, you throw in this moment when it's universe points, in a way, now my practice is to every moment, or at least not that that's, that I'm even close to obtaining this, but that's like the goal now, like every moment, what's the, how can I fully experience this, fully live this? And so, I don't know, maybe that's in a way how the gap is filled which yeah. is like what helped you the most to get through that first period when you when two of those very important things fell away 
Ooh. Uh, like therapy, probably. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, I, I think like Frisbee and industrial engineering were like these two big things. And it was interesting because Frisbee was something that I completely chose for myself, where that's just like, this is what I enjoy doing. And industrial engineering was something that it's just like, ah, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm good at engineering. I'm good at business. So, and so, yeah, I think therapy and trying and like figuring out maybe to connect more with what I want because this type of life where I'm just following what other people think of me that's not the life I want so I think that's reinventing yourself <clears throat> yeah in a way and um, you mentioned a couple of times already that you got a concussion how because then you, you quit the highest level of ultimate frisbee then you decide I still want to play frisbee but when you get a concussion there is no way you can play frisbee so how yeah. does that go that yeah yeah because so frisbee is like one big identity and then death kind of fell away but even before that as long as i can remember sports has been like i was saying in the beginning how much sports i was playing in yeah, high school definitely like i don't before i was maybe before maybe i stopped playing frisbee i don't every period in my life i was playing 10 hours or more sports in my life like it's just the thing yeah. that i enjoyed the most and so that falling away was very, very hard. Like, uh, I'm very happy that I found meditation just before because I, I think I would have gone completely like depressed or crazy if I couldn't sit with this discomfort in a way. I actually now, because I was in India and then sports wasn't, it's just not in the life that I was living there. And now I'm trying to get back into being able to play sports and it's very difficult to, because before my concussion I never had this period that like I'm so out of shape that I just I can't just join a practice and enjoy it like I really I probably am I'm weeks or maybe even a few months away before I can just do a practice without like suffering the next few days and so my very sadly like my relationship with sports has changed a little bit because it used to be always like if I'm down or or like it's just such a life enriching experience and now the main emotion is like fear because I, I with the concussion it would be I like try to do some sports and it wasn't me like oh yeah I'm sore for a day I have a headache for a day but for three weeks I would have a headache and so like the the cost of overstepping my what I was able to do were so big and now the last time like I ran for a train and then I had a headache for two weeks no way so okay. and now I'm, I'm seeing a good physiotherapist and I think it's going to get better but like now it's it's not this like oh let's play but it's like I need to be very controlled and I need to be very like and it, and it's not that while I play I feel that I'm overstepping what I can do because when I play there's like adrenaline and whatever my body feels nice it's only like the day after that this thing starts uh, so I'm hoping that I can uh, change that relationship again like slowly building my strength and my stamina again did going to india in some way help you reinvent yourself uh, one of the big things when i had this concussion i was really under the impression that maybe i could never work full-time in my life ever again oh, wow. like I, maybe because this was maybe i will not ever be able to like financially take care of myself because i just can't work and and I was in a yoga center and the, the schedule was very, very demanding. Like for months I would wake up 
before like between 3 and 4.30 and then just go till 10 in the evening. So just 18 hour days, very, very active. And so it was very, this fear of maybe I will not be able to act, be active again, that fell away. Like oh, I can somehow do these insane months and weeks that were even more intense. So it was a big confidence builder. Like, oh, I actually can take a lot of the amount of work that I can do is, is and your body can take a lot more than you thought. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I actually also had like this big scare. I had some food poisoning and I fainted and hit my head on the ground. Oh. So it's like, in a way, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm going back yeah. to concussion. But then I just recovered in a few days and I'm like, oh, my head is fine. Like this. Oh, so good. also, yeah. like, a, what do you call it? A blessing in disguise because it's another like, oh, I'm actually much stronger now than I yeah. was. So it was much more about building that confidence that you could actually do yeah, the so things that, you wanted to do. Yeah, so especially the first half of my time there was, gave me, like, that was not at all the reason that I went there. But it was like, oh, wow, this, when I look back at New Year's or something, like, oh, man, this is a big gift. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that you now s slowly start to build up. How yeah. how are you in your progress? I'm very very beginning um, because I, I returned from India maybe a month ago. Oh, so, so that's very recent. Yeah, the middle of January, um, and so now I'm seeing a physiotherapist, and basically my headache comes from my neck not balancing correctly. So I just need to train my neck so it balances, and then I can start building but like i cannot even like my physio says you shouldn't be running right now so i'm just and doing some yoga but no uh, just doing the basic life things it takes already very like big big toll no sort of my normal life i can do everything which oh, that's is great, great. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. great. it's, it's yeah. just and it has been like this for a while like i think it's, it happened in 2018 and in the fall in the fall of 2020 I started as a bike mess, not messenger, like delivering packages on a bike. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning I was like, okay, I can bike for like a five hour shift and then I need a day and a half of rest. And then towards the beginning of 2021, I could just bike three days in a row and it was fine. And so yeah. that step. was very slow steps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was that frustrating sometimes? Yes, yeah, it's very hard. Like uh, it just feels like you're missing out on life because it just, it's like for every day of normal living, it's like a day and a half of yeah. sitting in your room. Yeah, it's very... Yeah. And it's like in hindsight, if somebody like now knowing like, oh, this is going to be awful for two years and then you'll slowly climb out of it, that's, that's like very doable. Yeah. But that's not the experience. The experience is you go to a doctor and they say like, well, you have to like don't drink alcohol. You have like all these, you live healthily, which I'm already doing. And then uh, hopefully it'll get better, but yeah. we don't know. Yeah, and that's so, that's the frustrating thing about concussions that they do, they just don't yeah. know how long it will take. Yes, and there's nothing yeah. you can do. Nope. And and I have uh, some people around me that, like one of the top players in Seattle, stopped playing because he would get concussed just from not even from falling, but just people hitting his head. No like way. Not, you're not getting hit hard, but just no, like general yeah, tips, and he yeah, would get yeah. depressed. Like he oh, would wow. have. And another friend, when it happened to me, I think six years before that, he got concussed and he could still not play frisbee and he would still 
have to manage this energy very well otherwise it gets massive headaches so like these these are the things around me so i'm like oh maybe for a decade from now i still can't play anything yeah Yeah. so you mentioned um that therapy helped you a lot but who who else do you think helped you a lot through this process who or what maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah like some friends like the, the eve is his name that we started this NGO with was very very helpful in the time like i think just friends in general like everybody that has the experience of this performing at a high level or like going for something and then also the pain of not having that now is like very like just having a shared experience is very definitely very yeah. yeah i found it very hard mm. to to find people that i could relate to i mean so it's i found it very good that you had people around you that could relate to yeah, what happened yeah. and you could relate to them because yes. I feel like we're all on this, these islands trying to figure out our lives ourselves when we quit elite sports. And then, yeah, yeah so it's, it's very, yeah, it's very nice that you had people around you that could yeah, understand you. Yeah, it's maybe you. different with gymnastics or I don't know, I don't know much about that world, but it's of course a team sport. Frisbee is like, definitely, you have like yeah. uh, 25 people in a team. So yeah. then there's, yeah, people so with you, the same So your team did really help you also after you quit. Yeah like like uh, the people that i'm close with it's, it's just yeah and then some people are a little bit older like friends of mine are a little bit older or have gone have stepped back from the top a little earlier and so yeah in a way it's also i think it's very health like the this single-minded focus is very nice like it, I, I love that way of living and in your 20s or you can do this but i think it's not just psychologically very healthy to have like one thing that defines you right like (laughs) you're like bound to get hurt you said people that quit a little bit earlier than you um could could they give you advice along the way or help you in some way i don't know like i i I, i'd read this quite recently that somebody said advice is overrated Mm. which i but it was it's just more that somebody else be like yes this is very hard yes like right now it feels like like but it's also like right now if i look back right now frisbee is not that important to me right so if if somebody now steps out that's all you you, like just hearing from somebody that has gone through the process of having like this one thing be everything to a a more diverse life like oh yeah okay just yeah, I think that was more, I don't remember any advice, but just knowing that people uh, understood, you. understood and yeah. went through the same. So, yeah. yeah, nice. I always end the podcast with this one question, so I also have that for you. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give your younger self right now? And you can choose whatever age you give yourself advice to. Oh, I think when I look back at my my Frisbee career, there were many moments that I didn't realize how special they were. Like, just if you're healthy, you have a team that is, like, there's always something, and the way for me, there's always something that can be better. And I think I was more focused on that. That would have been much better experience for me and the people around me. Just be like, okay, I'm healthy. We, we are going for the same thing and just enjoyed it. We had this, um, in 2009, we played Euros with a team from Gronje, a club team, and we didn't have, or I didn't have any expectation of doing well. Like, 
of course we're trying to do well, but we're not like, oh, we have to get like a medal or something. And we ended up getting bronze and I forgot who said it, but one of my teammates said, he was talking about Michael Jordan and uh, apparently he was asked like, what, like you've taken so many shots to like win or lose a game. What do you think in these moments? And then his answer was, enjoy it. Like, you, the, the, like this is fun. Like this is what you want to do. All the, it's like all the training and all that stuff is all work, but this is like, this, this is it. Like just enjoy it. And I think that m m was one of the reason that that team was very, like, at least for me, like, uh, it really helped with putting it in perspective. Yeah, this is fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Hope you loved listening to Eric's story as much as I did. Don't forget to check out the show notes to learn more about this podcast and my transformation life coaching services. And if you like this podcast, don't forget to leave a review, follow, you know what you need to do. This podcast was created, hosted, edited and produced by Annelette Bakker and the music is We Are Free by Ixen.